You got text messages? Um, yes. We don't <laughs> understand physics or chemistry, which uh, is probably true. According to who? Uh, according to the texter. About what? It takes the same amount of energy to split water into hydrogen and oxygen as you get when you combine the two in combustion. Unless you can call up a miracle, of course. No, because you, probably true. Probably you true. were the one saying that. Yeah, I was, you I were was like, the one. I was, I was, okay. Honestly, right, right. I was a bit skeptical. I'm like, mm, I don't know, man. Just like a hydrogen plant on your back seat. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Hey. I believe in miracles. <laughs> miracles happen. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. All righty. Unlimited energy? I believe in practical solutions. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've been called out this morning. Lawson hasn't. I have. Fair That's enough. okay. I don't mind. I still, I still dream of, of the whole idea of, of being of able to. Of one day just plugging a garden hose. You know, there are, engines, there are engines that exist where you can fill your car up from the garden hose. Okay. And cars have been built where you can fill it up from the garden okay. hose. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. What's, what else is there? Run off steam. Oh, that would actually... Dude, you've got like a massive steam engine. And the, Wait, if it's a steam engine... Yes, you've got to put like combustible material in it as yes, well as the So you're well just going like to shovel knows. coal like shovel, into your back seat. That's right, shovel coal, shovel coal <laughs> and, uh, and fill it up from the garden hose. There you go. That's so funny. Imagine like a sold. re-engine steam engine car. So that the engine's behind you and you drive and you shovel, you just throw coal behind you. Hey, this you. is a real thing. Did you know that during the Second World War, there were people who used to run their cars off firewood? How do you, how do you even do that? Okay, so basically you build a trailer and on the trailer you um, create a firebox where you can burn firewood mm. and from that you create methane gas that you then pump forward to the car and it, ex- and it, and, and it burns exactly like LPG. Well, similar to LPG. Wow. And so, you know, Petrol shortages and so forth. People, were, particularly on tractors, this was quite popular on tractors because mm. you could build this hunking big uh, methane converter that ran off firewood on the front of your tractor where you kind of had space for it and the tractor could handle the weight. Yeah. And during the Second World War, when there were fuel shortages, people ran off methane. Dude, that's amazing. It is. It Let's is. do it's that special. now. Even though it wouldn't be good for the environment. Or <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> running a car off all of firewood. The, so it's like all the potential upsides of like, you know, not being a part of the oil industry and not spending money. You probably spend more money on firewood than fuel and you're just contributing to the problem. See, humans are smart. That's why I think so, humans can do miracles. I'm all right. Yikes, okay. Um, All right. Okay, as you said, this technology has been around for many years. Okay, so hydrogen technology, definitely, Mm. um, has been shelved by all companies. So while it is happening, I wouldn't get overexcited. Remember, greed, the real engine of technology. Ooh. And this is exactly exactly the case. Mm. You know, this is not something that's going to become a, a, a big thing until there is... Bucket loads of money to be made out of it. That's the, that's a simple reality. Okay, Christian injustices are going to continue until it will get so bad that people will demand a return to God. Natural disasters of the magnitude we can't fathom will hit around the world to bring this about. God is in control. And this is a very important text message right here because the reality is that Jesus can't come back to this earth until the whole world has been brought to the point of decision. Mm. And at the rate of of missionary endeavor at the moment, we're not going to accomplish that. Mm. And so this is a situation where, yes, God is going to have to step in 
And the final crisis will be a way of highlighting God and highlighting God's word and highlighting the real issues that are at stake, the issues that are centered around worship in God's mm. word. All right, so anyway, those are our only two text messages. Everyone's very quiet this morning. Mm. They're waking up. They are. They'll get there. We'll give them time. Absolutely. All right. Uh, what else? Do That's it. We're going to do our Bible study. Oh, our Bible study okay. is about rest. We've got a whole talk, quarter to talk about rest. I, I'm, I'm sort of wondering whether at the end of this quarter we might be just sort of sitting here on Faith FM like, ah. <laughs> we'll be so relaxed. I'm at peace. Man, I need rest. I need this Bible study. We're at rest. All our stress is gone. <laughs> I wonder what radio would sound like. Oh, man. And we have like the, the ominous piano music in the background like, doo doo doo. Like, Good morning, everyone. Like maybe we just should just we should just play that music that they play when you go for a massage. Yes, over the breakfast show. Uh huh. So everybody wakes up in the morning and immediately goes straight back to sleep again. Good morning. What do they say? Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, no, uh, let's, let's let's look at. So we're going to look at defining rest in the Ooh, Old Testament. So we're going to look nice. at three major words that the Bible uses and look at how they are used. So Genesis chapter two, verse two and three. Uh, which is a well-known passage. You know, the Bible says um, when God had finished his work, which he had made, he rested on the Sabbath day, he sanctified it, he blessed it, he hallowed it, he set it apart for a holy use. He did all of these things uh, on the seventh day. And the word used there for rest is the word Shabbat. Mm. From, you know, in English we call that Sabbath. Mm. It's just, you know, but Shabbat. And it literally means to cease from work. So when God had finished creating the world, he Shabbat. Well, I'm pretty sure he there's... kept the Sabbath. There's two different types of Shabbat in the Bible, like as in, in words, like one's single B and one's double B, like in terms of the original Hebrew. We're talking about the double B one. Okay, the double B is Sabbath. Like, yes. yeah. Single, single B is like... Single B is like literally rest, like with no more connotations, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, yeah. Shabbat. Let me let me read what the study guide says. I'm going to trust what it says this morning, and you all can research it mm. because you have at your fingertips uh, the opportunity to research this, and you can correct us if we are wrong. Yeah, correct the study guide. The study guide says the verb the verb it's a it's a verb, so it's a doing word. It's an action. Mm. So I know what a verb is. Uh, Shabbat. This is the double B one. Simply means to cease work, to rest, to take a holiday. Oh, wow. I like that definition. Uh-huh. So when the Bible says Shabbat, and it is referring to what we call Sabbath, mm-hmm. it says to take a holiday once a week. The Bible tells you to take a holiday once a week. That's so awesome, dude. Okay, do you, do you think about this for a second. Ah, oh, we're, we're about out of time. I'm going to give you something. Do you ever feel guilty for not being active? Okay, come back in just a moment, and we'll talk about it some more. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so let's say that you've got some assignments hanging over your head. Mm-hmm. Or let's say you've got some projects that are unfinished. Let's say you've got a motorbike that is pulled apart and you need to put it back together. Mm-hmm. And you like, just don't feel like it right now. And so you are not doing it. Mm. And you are taking some time. Do you ever feel guilty for that? I, I do this in a very micro sense, uh, in the sense that I hate doing the dishes. 
Yes. And I would rather pile them up and then do them all at once. Yes. Like, you know, over That's a, a practical consideration. A day or a couple of days rather than but Just fill the bath. But there's other people <laughs> fill the bath. No, not quite. But <laughs> there are some other people that I live with who don't appreciate that method. Right. Um, and so I, well, yeah, I just feel guilty. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, they're going to come home and see that there's like three dishes in the sink that aren't done and they're not going to be stoked. Uh, but yeah. So, so I have my patrol at home at the moment with the gearbox out of it. Yes. And it's a terrible job. Yeah. It's the worst gearbox in the world to take in and out. And as a result, I find myself thinking, okay, maybe I can do this and maybe I can do that. Maybe I can do the other before I get to that particular job. Mm. And I would really, I, I just need a break right now. Mm. But when I take a break, I feel guilty because I've got this job hanging over my head because I need that vehicle back on the road. Yeah. However, we do need to take a break. Mm. And if God did not give us a break, there are many of us that because of that sense of guilt would work seven days a week. Without a break. Mm. We would never actually take a break. Mm. And this is the wonderful thing about the Sabbath because when the Sabbath comes around, I can take a break. I can take a whole day where I am not working on that patrol mm. in my spare time, you know, when I'm not working here and, and doing the other functions of uh, the other jobs that I have. Uh, and the entire Sabbath long, I don't feel the slightest bit of guilt because that is my day yeah, well. with my family with God, and that's the fantastic thing about it. God has created that because God knows that human beings actually need it. Mm. It's even like, you know, both of us, we work on radio this morning. We're up five days a week, you know, pretty pretty early to get in here. And it's like radio is only a couple of hours. I'm not going to pretend like it's the hardest thing in the world, but it's a, a relatively difficult slog because we you know, need to be up, ready, focused, engaged, speaking. Like there's a lot of people, you know, I've, I've worked jobs before where at this time in the morning, yes, I'm going to work, but at the same time, you know, am I fully awake? Am I fully engaging with people? No, you know, get up in the morning, go to radio and it's like, oh, let's get it done. And then we have Sabbath. It's that one single day where I get to sleep in. I get to sleep in, I get to wake up in the morning, slowly, slowly breakfast, slowly put my clothes on, you know, have a bit longer of a shower. What time does your church start? My church starts at 10. So, 10. Oh, you're a massive. Uh, but I'm usually there at 9 because, yeah. you know, I'm part of the worship group and whatever, helping. But consider it, it but, you know, in, in comparison to, to getting up at 4.30 in the morning for breakfast radio, that's yeah, a big difference. It's 100%. Well, I'm not quite getting up at 4.30 in the morning. That's a, that's a, that's a, that, that, that lot belongs to the Southwells. Uh, but still, you know, getting up relatively early in the morning. It's it, like, I'm not, again, I'm not going to say it's the hardest thing in the world. And I'm not going to say that I don't love doing it, but it's that one day where it's like, you know, for me, like I have that, I have a reoccurring dream where I wake up late for radio and it's become a reality, you know, in the very recent past, uh, where I didn't wake up for radio and I got a call from show at <laughs> 650, 6.55 AM. Uh, but then it's like Sabbath is that one day where I don't wake up with that anxiety of like, oh, you know, have I woken up at the right time? You know, how much time do I have? You know, rush, 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 get in the shower, get out the door. So, you know, because it's very time sensitive, this job. And it's like, oh, I have this one day where I can just wake up, you know, do my thing and go to church. It's like, it's the best. It is, absolutely. All right, let's go to Exodus chapter 5 and verse 5. Let's read what the Bible says over here. Exodus chapter 5 and verse 5, second book of the Bible, fifth chapter and fifth verse. The Bible says this, Look, there are many of your people in the land, and you are stopping them from their work. 
Okay, and where the Bible says here, where it translates it, stopping them from your work, that's translated from the word Shabbat, mm. double B. Mm. So this is very interesting because here you find a situation where Moses has come back from the wilderness. The Israelites have been in Egypt in captivity working as slaves and they have left God they have really forgotten who God is you know Moses when he meets with God in the wilderness and God says go back and tell them to to to, to come out he's like well who am I going to say has sent me they don't even know you anymore mm. and you know God says well tell them that the great I am has sent you yeah well wow. that's essentially the conversation but they don't know God and so the one of the very first things that Moses does when he gets back to Egypt is reestablish the Sabbath Mm. And suddenly you've got all of these Hebrew people who keep the Sabbath and Pharaoh is like, what is going on? Who's this guy who's turned up and is starting insurrection amongst the Jewish people because they have been working for me, building my pyramids or whatever they've been doing seven days a week and now suddenly they're taking a day off? What kind of slaves get a day off? Mm. You can understand why he's a little bit upset by that. <laughs> you can kind of uh, see what is going on here. And so, yeah, he's 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 pretty stressed out over it. But this is the verb Shabbat used in the causative form, translated as making someone rest. Mm. All right. Let's continue on here, and there are a few other places, of course. Uh, when you go to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11, which is the Ten Commandments, that's your Shabbat, that's your double B, Shabbat. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 14, that's your Ten Commandments again. You're going to have Shabbat there. But this one is interesting. Go to Job chapter 3 and verse 13. Ooh, Job chapter 3. It's a more figurative use of the word. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Job's getting abstract. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Wait, was Job, Job wasn't the writer of Job, was he? Someone wrote Job. Well, it's kind of like this. Maybe he did. Some people think that Moses wrote it. Mm. It's one of those ones where there's not actually a signature, where, you know, I sat down to write this. Because people believe it's the earliest story in the Bible. Possibly. Like, you know, because you've well, got... It's not earliest... No, well, because Moses is writing yeah. about the creation retrospectively. Yes. But people believe that Job This one is was written contemporary. Contemporary, yeah. Uh, which chapter? Uh, we are going to chapter 3 and verse 13. Hmm. Job chapter 3 and verse 13. The Bible says this as I find it. Uh, dispatches were sent by swift messengers into all the provinces of the empire. Oh, I'm reading Esper, uh, Esther, man. That, that I was, was going to say, was that's like, uh, kind of out, out there. That's not what I was expecting. <laughs> okay, Job uh, chapter 3 and verse 3, the Bible says... 13, 13. 13. We'll get okay, there. Okay, 3 and verse 13, the Bible says, Had I died at birth, I would now be at peace. I would be asleep and at rest. There you go. So there you, have, <laughs> there you have the Sabbath likened to death. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say this, that's a kind of a comforting thought. Yeah, wow. Because, you know, I've got very close relatives, family, that have died. And the Sabbath is a wonderful time of rest. 100%. And when Job says, look, you know, if I'd have died, it would be like I was taking a Sabbath. Mm. I'd be at rest. Mm. Um, I'd be at peace. Mm. Okay, let's look at another one here. This one's uh, even more out there. Let's go to... King Second Kings two and verse fifteen. 
Second Kings chapter two verse fifteen. As I turn it, man, I need to, I need to get a small. Okay, so one. what we're looking at here now is the next one of these verbs, and this is the one nuach. Mm. Nuach. Okay, Second Kings chapter two verse fifteen. The Bible says, "When the group of the prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha, and they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him." Okay, so what was Elijah's spirit? Um, Elijah's spirit was like the, the power that he had to do miracles. Which came from? God. God, yeah. which is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So Elijah's spirit is the Holy Spirit. Mm. And here the Bible uses the word nuach, uh, which is um, literally to rest or settled. Mm. So you've got this picture of the Holy Spirit settling on Elisha. Mm. It's interesting because the Bible says that, you know, at the end of time, that there will be a movement that comes with the spirit and power of Elisha, mm. Elijah. Mm. And the first of the prophets, you know, the Bible says that uh, John the Baptist was one of the prophets who came in the spirit and power of Elijah. Jesus said that. Mm. Uh, the first of the prophets to come in the spirit and power of Elijah was, of course, Elisha, mm. who was given a double portion. Because he, like, directly took over from Elijah. He directly Elijah. took yeah. over from Elijah. And the Bible here talks about the Holy Spirit settling upon him. Mm. Now, when the Bible when the Bible talks about that as being rest and being like rest, it shows the function of the Holy Spirit bringing peace into our wow. lives. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. If you've got a question for Question of the Day, yeah, send that send through it. as well. Or if you just like to comment on the Bible study, mm. we'd love to hear, hear your thoughts on the or Bible anything study. anything we say. That's right. If you think my Even treatment if, is unjustified, let Lyle know. Well, if you think I believe in miracles, then <laughs> let us know. Now, we'd love to hear from you guys. We really do. Mm. Um, it is fantastic. Okay, where are we up to? We are talking about Nuak. Yes. Nuak, which means literally to rest or be settled. Mm. And the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit rested on Elisha. Yes. And when you think about the Holy Spirit resting on a person, it does not give you the sense that the Holy Spirit is bringing stress to that person. It does not give you the sense that the Holy Spirit is, you know, uh, going to add to that person. It, it, it gives you the impression that Holy Spirit is going to bring peace to that person. Mm. The Spirit of peace mm. resting yes. on a person. Okay. Next one we're going to look at is Shakwat. Oh, okay. Shakwat. I presume that I, I have no idea how anything Hebrew is pronounced, but that's how we're going to pronounce it for today, which simply means to be at rest, grant relief, or be quiet. Mm. Let's go to Joshua chapter 11 and verse 23. Joshua chapter 11 and verse 23. I'm just turning there now. Um, Shakwat. That kind of sounds like the word Pequot. I don't know if, if anyone here has read the book Moby Dick. It's... So amazing. Okay, uh, which chapter? That is Joshua chapter 11 and verse 23. Joshua chapter 11, verse 23. The Bible says this as I find it on the page. So Joshua took control of the entire land just as the Lord had instructed Moses. He gave it to the people of Israel uh, as their special possession, dividing the land among the tribes. So the land finally had rest from war. Okay, and this this word rest here, 
shakwat is often translated as being peace. Mm. So all of these words, when you start to put them together, you've got holiday, cease from, uh, cease from work, rest, settled, grant relief, be quiet, and have peace. Mm. Uh, you know, these are, these are really, um, good definitions that we've got right here. Okay. So the, the, the last one, raga, which, which we're going to look at, uh, this one means to grant relief and to be quiet. And we're going to look at this in some interesting context right here. So raga, mm-hmm. let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 65. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 65. Yep, uh, just here, there among those nations you will find no peace or place of rest, and the Lord will cause your heart to tremble, your eyesight to fail, and your soul to despair. Okay, this is a prophecy about the Israelite Jewish exile, Mm. where they're going to be, and and basically God says, look, if if you turn to idolatry, if you stop following me, this is going to be the result. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you will end up going into exile. Mm. And there, you're not going to find any repose, no resting, nowhere to place the sole of your foot. You will have an anxious mind, eyes weary with longing, and a despairing heart. And so I want you all to think about this this morning because I think this is a very valid Bible verse for so many of us today. Mm. How many of us today have an anxious mind and and or a despairing heart? Mm. And if we do have that anxious mind or if we do have that despairing heart, then where are we going to find raga or yeah, peace wow. uh, or, or rest? Where are we going to find that? We're going to find that in coming to God. Mm. The Bible says that people would lose this by moving away from God, reverse that equation, we find it by uh, coming to God. Okay, so uh, let's go to Second Samuel chapter seven and verse twelve. Second Samuel, Second Samuel chapter seven, was it? Seven and verse twelve. Second Samuel chapter seven and verse twelve, as it appears before me in my Bible, it reads like this: Second Samuel chapter seven. And verse 12, the Bible says, For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. Okay, let me read this from a better translation. It says, Ah, When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, Mm. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I'll establish your kingdom. Okay, this is Shakab. Mm -hmm. So you got Shabbat, Shakat. And shakab. Mm-hmm. And they're all obviously very similar words. Yes. And this one refers to the rest that we have in death. Mm. And so once again, there's this interesting connection between the Sabbath and between death that I find incredibly comforting. Mm. Uh, Deuteronomy 31 and verse 16. Let's have that one there. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 16. Let's see if your Bible can get a translation of this one. Okay. The Lord said to Moses, you are about to die and join your ancestors. I don't think so. It doesn't. It fails. What a fail translation that is sometimes. I'm going to dig this one out from my my KJV. Let me go to uh, Deuteronomy and... Where were we? We were in 3116. Yeah, 3116. All right. Looking there now, mm-hmm. Deuteronomy chapter 31. And this is one of the benefits you get from a translation that is more word for word mm-hmm. because the actual word here is uh, shakab, 
And so in chapter 31, verse 16, the Bible said, The Lord said to Moses, Behold, you shall sleep with your fathers, and this people will rise up and go after other gods, after the strangers of the land, where they go, um, etc., etc. The key thought here being that God says to Moses, You will sleep with your fathers. You will have rest. Yeah, the Israelites, they're going to, you know, they're going to go into idolatry. They're going to mess things up. But this is not something that you're going to have to worry about because you will be at peace. Mm. Now, think about this for a moment. And as a listener, I want you to think about it this morning. How many times have we seen a friend or a relative pass away? And to know that they are at peace, you know, because there is a tremendous sense of loss which we experience. But think about it from the perspective of knowing that they now have peace. Why is it comforting to know that at least for now they're resting? I think this is the best news ever. They don't have to deal with stress and worry and turmoil and anxiety or despair anymore. For them it is over and gone they are resting and they are at peace. I, I find that incredibly encouraging. The Bible describes death as being like sleep. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is now time for... Question of the Day. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Question of the Day. Lyle. Yes. Are you ready? I am. Does the Bible teach absolute truth or is truth relative? Okay, the Bible is very clear on this particular subject and truth is discovered is not invented. That's the simple reality of what the Bible teaches. But why is it that such a large portion of our population today believe in relative truth? Where has this come from and why does it exist? You look at Christianity Day, 57% of young people that attend church believe in relevant truth, relative truth even though you won't find it anywhere in Scripture. And here's the answer. The answer is found in sin. Mm. It's that simple. You see, there is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is our conscience. And when we do things that are wrong, the Holy Spirit speaks to our conscience. And what that does is it creates the pain of guilt. Mm. And as human beings, we will do anything we can to escape pain, and particularly the pain of guilt. And so human beings in rebellion, um, we will go to any length to do so. And typically what human beings do, rather than taking the pain of guilt to God, we double down. And we say, no, that wasn't wrong. There's no such thing as that particular sin. We didn't do anything wrong. We are not guilty. And that doesn't stop the pain of guilt. It doesn't take it away. And so the next thing that we go to is that, uh, well, it's actually, you know, this is my truth. And you hear this very common today. Well, what's your truth? What's my truth? What's somebody else's truth? Truth is not like that. Is not the nature of truth. Truth is truth is black and white. You can have you have either truth or error. Something is either it's like mathematics. That's the that's the nature of truth right there. And so when you have somebody who comes along and says, "Well, you know, this is my truth," essentially what is taking place? Why have we got music happening? Oh, okay, that's now shut off. Um, essentially, what is happening is that somebody is trying to quieten their conscience. Is that simple? Okay, so let's look at a couple of things in relationship to truth and then let's look at a passage of the Bible. First of all, truth is discovered. It is not invented. Truth is transcultural and it can be 
conveyed across different cultures. It is unchanging and can be conveyed across time. Beliefs cannot change a truth statement no matter how sincere they might be. Truth is, uh, truth is unaffected by the attitude of the one professing it. So, you know, even if Adolf Hitler speaks a truth, it doesn't make it an untruth just because Adolf Hitler said it. Mm. It's still a truth. All truths are absolute and truth is knowable. Let's see what the Bible has to say about this because the Bible says that God is truth. The Bible says that God comes to us in truth. The Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'm going to go to the Gospel of John here. There's a fantastic passage, John chapter 16. John chapter 16, and let's see here in verse 13. The Bible says, How be it, when he, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that will he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. The Bible is very, very clear that God is going to come to us with truth. In order for truth to be absolute and to hold all of these qualities, it has to be grounded in a source that is personal, unchanging, and sovereign over creation. And this is why you know, you've know you got that famous situation where Jesus is standing in front of Pilate, and Pilate is very much into relativism because the relativism that we have in our world today is not new. It was copied from the Greeks. It was copied from Greek culture. You know, this truth, my truth, the other truth. And, and Pilate says to Jesus, what is truth? He was so blind he didn't realize that truth was standing right there in front of him. Truth is all about reality, and there is such a thing as reality. There is such a thing as truth, and we can find and understand and know that truth. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.